land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Israel is prophetic. Israel's prophetic. God said this. He said, I will, he chose the nation, first of all. But then he said, I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. God told Abram what would happen to Israel. He told him on multiple times. He told him this before it would happen. And then as we'll come to the New Testament here in just a few moments, we'll find out that God is not finished with Israel. And so it is prophecy. And it's very, very important that we study this. Let me just go over a few things of why Israel is important. Why is Israel important? Well, first of all, without Israel, we would not have our Savior. Jesus was Jewish. If, we did not, if there were no Israel, we wouldn't have a Savior. Without Israel, we would not have our Bible. Romans chapter 9, verse 4, I don't have it up there, but you can go there and you can see that the Bible talks about how we have everything that God wanted to give us. And then we come to 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16 and 17. We know that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. We would not have our Bible. We would not have the foundation of the church, Ephesians 2, 2. We would not have the gospel. We would not have been grafted in as an olive branch. We would not have the second coming of Christ. We would not have the millennial kingdom. All of these things are because of Israel. I know it's because of the Lord, but Israel has a part in that and the promise that God made to Israel. Now, I want to take you through this, and I'll try to be as clear as I can about it, but I think it's very important that we understand that this promise is a prophecy. This promise given to Abram at the time, he wasn't Abraham yet, God hadn't changed his name, it was Abram, and God gave this promise to him, but this promise is a prophecy. Again, to, to uh, Genesis 12, 1, 2, and 3, I want to read it again, I want to read it slowly so that you hear it. Now, the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you, and in you all families of the earth shall be blessed. This prophecy was given as a promise to Abram from God directly. No, no one intervening, no intermediate person directly from God to Abraham. And he said, I want you to get up and go. I want you to leave the place with your family. I want you to leave them, and I want you to go to the place I will show you and tell you. This is the prophecy, part of the prophecy. Abraham was to leave his family and to go to the land of Canaan. He said, I want you to go away from your family, away from your father's house, and I will make you a great nation. Now, this prophecy was given, and then you know the story. There was some time before Isaac was born, and I'm sure that in his humanity, 
Abram thought, really? You're going to make a great nation out of me? I don't even have any kids. He didn't have any kids until 100 years old. Nevertheless, I'll make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. There are still Jews today that talk about Father Abraham. They talked about Father Abraham in the New Testament. I'll make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in all the families of the earth, shall in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now listen, this is a prophecy. This is why we have to stand with Israel. Now I know and you know right now that not all of Israel even believes in the Messiah. But we still have we still have the prophecy given to us by God that we are to stand and support Israel. Interestingly enough, in our country and in our culture today in the United States of America, they have paid activists who protest Israel and there have been reporters you can it's all over you can go all over and google it and you can see it they have videos they will ask the protests why they are protesting against them and they say oh it's genocide they say all this and other stuff but they have no idea why they're doing it in our secular institutions of so-called higher learning in our colleges they are changing history and they are brainwashing kids into believing that Israel is the aggressor. Israel is the one. And they said this long before, it, before they started their attacks. The conservative men were standing up and saying, listen, they attacked Israel. Hamas attacked Israel, but they will turn it around. The media will turn it around on Israel when they retaliate. And that's exactly what they're doing. But I want you to know, in spite of all of that, it doesn't matter. We still stand with Israel. This church stands with Israel. That is our stance because of this prophecy. Now, you might say, well, that's just an isolated thing. Well, let's go to Genesis chapter 13, verses 14 through 18. I want you to see the prophecy confirmed. God's going to confirm this prophecy. What we have going on here is Lot and Abram are together. Both of their herds are increasing. Both of their servants are increasing. And the Bible says that the land was not big enough to hold them all. So Abraham, Abram goes to Lot and says, listen, you and I are going to separate. If you take the left, I'll take the right. If you take the right, I'll take the left. You choose and so be it. In God's sovereignty... He was not going to let Abraham or Abram choose Sodom because he had promised Canaan to him. But what does Lot choose? Lot chooses Sodom because he looks at it and it's well watered. And he thinks it's a great place. But really, we know it's a wicked place. It is so wicked that when the angel comes to get, the two angels of the Lord come to get uh, Lot out. That all the men gather around the house and they want to, they know that the angels are in there and they want them because the Bible says they want to know them. They wanted to do very grotesque things to them. And he offers up his daughters. 
Do no harm to them. I'll give you my daughters. You can do whatever you want. Let them go. And you know that they reach in and or they reach out and grab Lot, pull him in, and they blind the men. We know that's where it's going. That's where Lot chose to live. After they separated, God is going to reaffirm or confirm his covenant or his prophecy to Abram. Look in Genesis 13, 14 through 18. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which you see I give to you and your descendants, for how long? Forever. Forever. Abram got the title deed to all, Israel got the title deed to all that land from God. He didn't tell him until Lot had separated from him. He confirmed this prophecy. Verse 16, And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. Then Abram moved his tent and went and dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre, which are in Hebron, and built an altar there to the Lord. God confirmed that prophecy to him. Lot's gone. I want you to know, remember, Abraham, this is yours. I'm giving it to you and to your descendants forever. A perpetual covenant. It's, it's not ending. It belongs to Israel. They shout from the river to the sea, from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea. They say that's the chant, and that's a Palestinian chant, that that should all belong to the Palestinians. There's only one problem. It don't belong to the Palestinians. It belongs to Abram. It belongs to Israel. God gave it to them. Again, the prophecy was confirmed. Now, Abram could say, if we want to be a skeptic and say, this is what God told me and they could have recorded it and no one else would have known. But I find it's interesting that he did not, God did not just give this prophecy to Abram. But he gave it all throughout the scriptures. And I want to make sure that we understand that this prophecy is clarified. God clarifies his prophecy because when it comes to Abram, Abram had two children. But God says, no, wait a minute, I'm going to be specific. It's through one line. Very, now, this is important because I'm going to touch on it in a moment. This is where a lot of our trouble comes from today. So let's go over to Genesis chapter 17. It'll be up on the screen. In verse 19. Then God said, No, Sarah, your wife shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants after him. Abram is the one that says, um, God, you know, I don't, I don't have a son. Just, just go ahead and bless Ishmael. Just give it to him. Give him the blessing. And God says, No. No, Sarah, your wife, will bear a son, and you will call his name Isaac, and it is through him. God did not condone or bless 
Sarah's plan and Abraham's plan of going in to his handmaiden and conceiving Ishmael. That was their plan in the flesh. That wasn't God's. And as a result, the Arabs come from Ishmael. And all... Arabs come from Ishmael. This is why the Arabs lay claim to the land. They say, well, he was born before Isaac, so it's ours. It's ours. But God told Abram specifically, no, it's not going to be through Ishmael. It's going to be through Isaac. Through Isaac. Through Sarah. Through Isaac. The one that Sarah would have. Well... He's going to clarify again. Let's go to Genesis chapter 21. Genesis chapter 21 and verse 12. It's again through Isaac. Genesis 21 and verse 12. But God said to Abram, Do not let it be displeasing in your sight because of the lad or because of your bondwoman. Whatever Sarah has said to you, listen to her voice. For in Isaac... Your seed shall be called Isaac. Again, she wanted Sarah wanted Ishmael and, and the bond servant to go away, Hagar to go away, send them away. Abram struggled with that. And God says, Listen, you are not going to change my prophecy because of your fleshly impulses or you're trying to rectify the situation or you're trying to make the situation right you're not going to change my prophecy it will be in Isaac through Isaac God is clarifying the prophecy again through not only Isaac but through Jacob why? because Isaac is going to have two children Genesis chapter 25 and verse 23. There's a lot of scripture here and I can't go through all of it. I'm picking out the highlights for you to see. You can go back and read. Notice Genesis 25, 23. And the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb. Two peoples shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other. And the older shall serve the younger. The older shall serve the younger. Rebecca has two children in her womb. All of history, all of the culture says that the firstborn child is the one to whom receives the blessing and receives the inheritance. But God says, there's two nations in your womb, two peoples shall be separated from your body, but the older shall serve the younger. Esau comes out, and Jacob has a hold of his heel, and they call Jacob, Jacob because of the supplanter, is what he's called. Why? Do you know that Esau is the one through whom the Palestinians came. So here we have this problem. We've got the Arabs that lay claim. We have the Palestinians that lay claim. But God has promised it's through 
It's through Abraham. It's through Isaac. It's through Jacob. Very important. And the devil... And you have to understand this. A biblical worldview... We are in a spiritual battle, church. And the devil wants to destroy Israel. Why? Because God chose Israel. And so the devil wants to destroy Israel, and he is going to try to divide people and say, listen, we're, we, well, Esau was born first, so it belongs to him. Ishmael was born first, so really it belongs to the Arab people. And all the Arab nations hate Israel because of that very reason. But the Arabs don't believe our Bible. The prophecy. The prophecy clarified. Now you think, well, that's great. We're all in the Old Testament. Is there anything in the New Testament that clarifies this prophecy? Well, I'm glad you asked that. Would you go with me to Romans chapter 9? And Romans chapter 9 through 11, all deals, <clears throat> all of it is talking about Israel. And really a summary of Romans chapter 9 through 11, those chapters, a summary of that is God's not finished with Israel. He's explaining at why God has set Israel aside right now and allowing the Gentiles to come in. And we'll see that in just a moment. But just so you know, just so that we're not just staying in the Old Testament, the prophecy is clarified in Romans chapter 9 and verse 7. Let me go back to verse 6. But it is not that the word of God has taken no effect, for they are not all Israel who are Israel, nor are they all children because they are the seed of Abraham. But in Isaac your seed shall be called. Paul goes back to the Old Testament and pulls out this prophecy and says, listen, not all Jews, just because they were in the lineage of Abraham are true Jews. As a matter of fact, according to the Scripture, there, there's a national Jew. There are many who live in Israel, who were born in Israel, but they do not believe in God. They're atheists. There are many who follow Judaism to the letter, to the law, or try to anyways. But they do not believe that Jesus is the Messiah. And Paul's argument is all all true Jews have faith. Abraham was justified by his faith, not that he was a Jew, because he wasn't a Jew until God called him. And now, there are some people who say, well, but see, this teaches that God's finished with Israel, and now those all, it's all the church. The church has replaced Israel. That's foolish. That's not taught here. And then we'll see that in just a moment in Romans chapter 11. But in, I don't have this on the screen, but I'm going to read it for you because the Lord just brought it to my mind. I think it's in John um, 8.39. Yes. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. What was the work of Abraham? Believe. How was Abraham justified? Abraham was justified by faith. These Pharisees are talking, they're, well, we're Abraham's children. Uh, Children, And he says, no, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works that Abraham did. So it's always been by faith. And Paul says, they're not all children because they're the seed of Abraham. Ishmael's lineage 
is not of Israel. But it's through Isaac. And God is clarifying in the New Testament so that someone doesn't just say in the Old Testament, oh, that's Old Testament, and it doesn't apply. It's very relevant because the Apostle Paul is talking to believers and he's telling them, he's telling them that it is through Isaac. He's confirming or clarifying that prophecy. So now... Go with me, and I want to try to pull this together. I know I've gone around a lot of places and hid a lot, but I want to pull this together. Romans chapter 11, I want you to know that God has a plan and future for Israel. God has not replaced Israel with the church. We are dispensationalists. We believe that they are two distinct, different. The church is the church. Israel is Israel. So Romans chapter 11 and verse 1 And I'm going to move through this and comment as we go. I say then, has God cast away his people? He's talking of Israel. Israel's the context. Certainly not. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not cast away his people whom he foreknew. Or do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah how he pleads with God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars, and I alone am left, and they seek my life. Now watch this. But what does the divine response say to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Even so, then, at this present time, There is a remnant according to the election of grace. Now let me just tell you this. It's very important that you understand this. Throughout all generations or dispensations, throughout all dispensations, God has had a faithful remnant of believers. Jews still come by faith. They don't get in because they're a Jew. I know there are some people who believe simply because they were born in Israel that they get a... No, it's believers. By faith. It's always... There's only one plan of salvation, and it's only always been by faith. And this is his argument. Just as when uh, Elijah was calling on God, just they've killed your prophets, they've done this, just go ahead and kill them. Just kill them, God. God says there's over 7,000 men that have not bowed their knee to Baal. There's a faithful remnant. Verse 6, And if by grace, then it is no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But if it is of works, it is no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. What is he saying here? You can't add grace and works. It's one or the other. That's why we're a strong grace church. And we believe that it's not by works of righteousness that I have done, but it's by faith in Him. Not only to us, but to Israel. Now look at verse 7. What then? Israel has not obtained what it seeks, but the elect have obtained it, and the rest were blinded. When you come to this and you see this, what Israel wanted, what did they seek? They seek to be God, they sought to be God's people. They wanted to be the royal people. They wanted to be the kingdom that 
ruled and reigned. Watch what he says in verse 8. Just as it is written, God has given them a spirit of stupor, eyes that should not see and ears that should not hear to this very day. And David says, let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a recompense. Let their eyes be darkened so that they do not see and bow down their back always. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? Certainly not. But now pay close attention. But through their fall to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. In other words, when Israel rejected Christ, God set them aside and He opened the door for Gentiles to come in by faith as a wild branch grafted in. We'll see that in just a moment. Now watch verse 12. Now, if their fall is riches for the world and their failure riches for the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? For I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. If by any means I may provoke to jealousy those who are my flesh and save some of them. Paul said, if I come to you, Gentiles, and I preach the gospel to you, and by doing that, it provokes some of my national people to believing in salvation, so be it. That's what he would love. If any means, I would love that. For if their being cast away is the reconciling of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? Even though Israel is set aside, they can come back by faith. For if the first fruits is holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches were broken off, now listen, here it is, and you, Gentiles, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and with them became a partaker of the root and fatness of the olive tree. Because of their rejection, we were invited in by faith. We believed and we were grafted in. Have you ever seen them? Uh, uh, someone graft a tree? They cut both branches and they weld them together and they grow together. Verse 18. Do not boast against the branches, but if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root but the root supports you. We don't have anything to boast about. We can't say, those crazy Jews, they didn't believe in the Lord. Look at us. We believe we're better than them. No. Why? Because we don't support the root. The root supports us. Who's the root? The root's Jesus. The root of David. The root of Jesse. You will say then, branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well said, because of unbelief, they were broken off and you stand by faith. The reason they were set aside or broken off was because they did not believe. Do not be haughty, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, He may not spare you either. 
Therefore, consider the goodness and severity of God on those who fail severity, but toward you, goodness, if you continue in His goodness, otherwise you also will be cut off. And they also, if they do not continue... If they do not continue in unbelief, will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. Get it? Right there. Paul says, God's able to graft them in again. He's not finished with them. If they'll come by faith, He will graft them in again. For if you were cut off the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree... How much more will these who are natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree? Just got to believe. For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of Gentiles has come in. In other words... God has a time, I don't know, you don't know, but when the last Gentile comes to faith in Christ, look what happens. Verse 26, and so all Israel will be saved. And a lot of people think, well, because they're of the nation Israel, they'll be saved. No, that faithful remnant that believes, he's already told you, they're the true Jews. They will be grafted in because they're believers. And they, (coughs) that remnant will be saved. That's that's what he's saying. How can you get reading this that God is finished with the nation of Israel and that the church has replaced them? He said he's able to graft them in again. Not only did he say that, he said, but blindness in part has happened to them. They're blinded because of their unbelief to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. And so all Israel will then be saved. Did he say that it's just the church? No, he says all Israel. It's all Israel. And so I ask you this, what's the big deal with Israel? Well, the big deal with Israel is that God chose them. He said he will bless those who bless Israel and he will curse those who curses Israel. This is God. This prophecy is God. Now, I think Richard DeHaan, I have a book called Prophecy and, and, and Nations in um, no, wait a Israel and the Nations in Prophecy. It was written in 1968. And he said that Israel is the center of God's prophecy. We have Daniel, and we'll study this prophecy in Daniel. Was it prophesying of the church? No, it was prophesying of Israel. We have Matthew that we went through and studied in the Olivet Discourse that was not prophesying of the church, it was prophesying of Israel. We know the tribulation period is not about the church, it's about Israel. It's about God pouring out His wrath on unbelieving Israel and the unbelieving nations. The second coming of Christ. He comes and establishes his kingdom. Who's the kingdom for? We'll participate and be in the kingdom, but the kingdom's not for us. The kingdom is the kingdom of God, which is in Israel. 
Where does the new heaven and earth come down to? It comes down to Israel. Jerusalem to be more expensive, to be more specific, excuse me. It's amazing if you've ever stood on the Mount of Olives as I have and look across the Kidron Valley and you see the old Jerusalem. And it cracks me up. I'm standing here. I'm listening to them talk. They say they don't believe in Jesus, but they, I'm looking at the eastern gate. That they don't believe in the Messiah and that he will come through the eastern gate. So, but yet, just in case he did, they blocked it up. And they planted a cemetery in front of it because the Messiah would not go through a cemetery, they say. Yet they don't believe he's coming. But just in case, we're going to plant a cemetery and block in the wall. But the scripture says that new heavenly city comes down out of the sky. And Jesus will step off the Mount of Olives right into the new heavenly Jerusalem. The big deal with Israel is that it's God's deal. And it's prophetic. And God was specific. It's not Ishmael. It's not the Arabs. It's not the Palestinians. It's not through Esau. It's through Isaac and Jacob. That is the prophecy. And the Apostle Paul says, listen, just so nobody forgets this prophecy... Not everyone that was born of Abraham is Abraham's seed. It's through Isaac. And for furthermore, God's not finished with Israel. There's a future for Israel. God has not replaced Israel with the church. They're two different distinct. God's not finished with them. And neither should we be finished with them. I have since learned, I did not know this, but I just found out um, recently that uh, Martin Luther, and we would agree on some things with Martin Luther, but toward the end of his days on the earth, he became very anti-Semitic. And history says that he was so anti-Semitic that he began to call for distinguishment of Jews. Distinguishing, I should say. And it is said that when Hitler was trying to get the German Christians to follow him, he quoted Martin Luther. <laughs> Martin Luther knows he's wrong now more than any of us know because he's been dead and he's had to face God. But there is no undoing of this prophecy this covenant, this promise that God made to Abraham. It's as relevant today as it was when he gave it to him. The land belongs to them, given to them by God. Not the United Nations, not the United States of America, not any other nation. It was given to them by God. And it is as relevant today, those who will bless the nation of Israel, God will bless those who curse, God will curse. Now we read along in the Bible and we find out that all nations will go against Israel. All nations will go against them. 
including the United States of America. My personal belief is we will not be a superpower in that day. There's a number of things that could happen. You think about all the born-again believers if the rapture uh, comes and takes us out of here. Think of all the believers that are gone and this world left. I don't know how many people are saved in America. Only God knows that. But there will be a big chunk of people gone. Technology is one of the tools that the devil will use in the last days. Uh, I was watching, thumbing through Marketplace, trying to, and I'm on Facebook, and there's, and I don't know anybody in here that's done it, so don't, I'm not picking on you. But there are people who put their face and let it scan their face, and it puts it on the, it was around Christmas time, where, you know, it makes this beautiful woman standing there and her hair blown back, and it takes some of your facial features. You know what you're doing? You're giving your facial features and eye recognition to whomever is behind that. That's what you're doing. You're an alarmist. I'm not an alarmist. I'm, I'm a realist. Has anyone ever been uh, having a, a Christmas dinner or some kind of dinner and you talk about something and then all of a sudden in your feed you start getting advertisements? Now, is that, that's a real big coincidence, isn't it, if we all get those things? No, it's not a coincidence. Yeah, and uh, technology, technology. Do you know that the mainstream media right now, right now, are willfully lying to the people and only giving snippets of what they want to give so they can control the narrative to manipulate you. It's been going on for a long time. You know it. You, you sense it. You're angry about it. I'm angry about it. AI is becoming popular. I got a thing. Noah had a paper and he was working on a paper and I was reading the teacher's notes and she said, we will run this through a machine that checks to make sure that AI did not write it for you. Bryce was telling me Tri-State Bible College has got a machine. You know what AI is, right? Artificial intelligence. Men are writing books now. They'll tell you a subject and it'll write a book for them. Artificial means it's not real. Do you know that they can capture my voice with artificial intelligence and call you and say, hey, this is pastor. I'm really in a bad way. I need some money. Can you help me out? And it's not me. If I need money, I'll come visit you. I won't call you. I want you to tell me no face to face. I'm just kidding. I'm teasing. Uh, I'm just, but I would never do that, and we need to know that. You know, your church, we would never solicit that from the church. We would never say our church is in trouble. We need help. So if you ever get anything like that, it's not from the church. But why do I say that? I say all that to say this because all of these things are going and subtly programming us to go away from God and His plan. They're trying to change the narrative of Israel and Hamas. Israel is, is being horrible to the Palestinians. They're killing, they're bombing. Look, they're bombing the Palestinians. No, the Palestinian people are being used as shields by Hamas 
so that they have the optics that it's Israel. Now, why do I tell you all this? I tell you all this because this is relevant. This is relevant. And there will be a line drawn in the sand one day when the United States of America has to say, yes, we stand with Israel. And they say, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, we stand with Israel. Israel ought to be able to protect herself. And they go to UN and vote differently. Remember, the devil is a liar. Church, we stand with Israel because of this prophecy that God gave us. We stand with them because he said, stand with them. And that's of utmost importance. And you will see other things as we go through this study. Um, that right now they're meeting in Davos, Switzerland for the Great Reset and the World Economic Forum. All these billionaires are trying to figure out how they can change the world and reset. All the while, the news is reporting that this cold weather has really rendered all these electric cars ineffective. Highways are jam-packed with electric cars that won't run because the battery under a certain temperature can't operate. That light across the street was out and I was talking to the power guy. He called me. Um, we have so many lights, he just put me on his cell phone and he calls me. And he was telling me we're talking about those lights and we were talking about the electric grid and he said, he said we, we, there's no way. He said, some of these houses have to be rewired to a 200-amp service because of these chargers for these cars. And he said, we don't have hardly enough electricity for the houses, let alone the cars. Do you know that in, I think it's New York, no shock, there's these high-rises, and they're, they're leasing out apartments to these people, and they have great lease rates. If you will sign over, they will help you with your utilities if you let them control. The problem is people are freezing and they can't turn the thermostat up because it's controlled at a central place. Now, you all think I'm, I'm lying to you and you think I'm crazy, but I'm telling you, this is what is happening. And do you know how, do you know how socialism and communism garnered people? They would say this, if you want to go... If you want to be married in a church, you have to have all these licenses, you have to have all these permits to be married in a church. But if you come to the government, we'll go ahead and give you the permits for free. You can get married and we'll do your weddings. And the government replaced the church. And that's how, if you study communism, that's how they did it. And that's how they're going to do it with electric. Anybody here have a high electric bill? everybody's like, high is not even a word, preacher. I'm just telling you. But the Bible says it's going, evil is going to wax worse and worse. And one of the first prophecies in the Bible was this. Stand with Israel. Stand with Israel. We must Stand with Israel. Father, we love you. We praise you. We ask you, Lord.